0: Let's exhale. Oof, boy, that was quite the game. But the Chiefs found a way to win. Welcome in to the Chiefs Zone podcast, everyone. My name is Farzing Vasugi and hope you guys all had a great weekend and enjoyed all of the football action. Uh, first couple of weeks, little little low key, but the game started to pick up, especially the Chiefs games. Uh, definitely uh, a couple of interesting contests, and of course, this one will recap out for the Chiefs. But across the board in the NFL, a lot of interesting games, but. Uh, we're going to stick to the Chiefs on this episode. A lot to get into. Uh, man, from tweets, from fa- the Facebook Live video that I did, which I appreciate everyone being a part of, and to the text messages, we have a lot of reactions. Zach and I have a lot of opinions on this game. We're going to get to it real quickly. Facebook.com slash That's the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me at Farzim21. Zach is on Twitter. At Zstenga. You guys can text the podcast at 913-808-2119. Subscribe to the podcast and share the links as well. And again, big thanks to everyone who joined us for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game. We'll do it again on Sunday night against the Indianapolis Colts. should be a lot of fun as we do each and every game day uh, at halftime and after the game. And... Of course, uh, we will do our preview podcast later this week. That is going to be on Thursday. Ellen Mathis will be joining us from Arrowhead Addict, also an attorney. And we're going to get her uh, legal expertise on something. And I'll share uh, a little later why that is the case. But Ellen will be joining us on when? Or excuse me, Thursday's episode to preview the game between the Chiefs and the Colts. And then next Sunday night, uh, my podcast might come out late, of course, because that is a Sunday night football game. Uh we will release our recap podcast. Uh, likely that'll come out on uh, Monday, 12 a.m. or 1 a.m., so right in the middle of the night there. But nonetheless, uh, we're going to discuss this game between the Chiefs and the Lions. Joining me here on this episode, all the way from New York City, Zach Stegenga. And Zach, are we Are we breathing? Are we okay? I mean, we're, we're good, right? We're
1: 4-0. Yeah. I mean, you finally exhaled there at the end of, yeah well, once the clock finally ran out was I finally able to exhale and be like okay we're fine now it's all okay (laughs) we got the win it was stressful and you know I'll be honest it's been a while since uh you know we've had a game where I actually had some concerns about the offense but yes we survived and that's all I can ask for
0: yeah and we're gonna get right into it in just a couple of seconds real quickly uh, obviously, the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways, we did those. They are complete. We had a couple of Chiefs Kingdom flag giveaways. We just completed those this past week. A big thanks to all of you guys who participated on that. I apologize, could not give a cereal box or a flag to everyone. A lot of people, of course, joined in. I will say this, Zach. Um, a few people did not necessarily follow the instructions. In fact, uh, one of the winners I tried to pick on Twitter... He retweeted it on Twitter. You had to follow and retweet. On Facebook, you had to comment and tag three friends, share it, and like the post. Very simple steps, right?
1: I mean, you'd think so.
0: Well, I picked a winner on Twitter. He retweeted me, but was not following me. So, and I won't say who it is, but just gotta follow those simple instructions. That's all it takes. Sometimes, it's all yeah, it
1: takes. But following instructions is hard, man. Like, especially when they're so clearly laid out. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs>
0: That's uh and then you know I get tweets from a couple people, oh I didn't know you were doing a giveaway, or I didn't know the instructions. I'm like, well Well, you gotta listen. Too bad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh enough of that. Uh let's get into this game because we have a lot to say, and a couple of um off the field chief news to to get into. Uh but I, just a lot to uncover. Let me just start right here. Ugly wins will happen. This is not the first time in Chiefs history the Chiefs had a very ugly win. There is a long list of those, and not just in Chiefs history, in the history of all 32 franchises. It's not the last time it's going to happen. The Chiefs are going to have another ugly win, and they're going to have several of those under Mahomes. Let's relax. Let's breathe a bit. It's not the end of of the world, even if the Chiefs did lose this football game. Great players have bad games, and by bad games, Zach, Mahomes was 24 of 42 for 315 yards, plus 54 yards scrambling. This is Mahomes' third regular season game, fourth if you include the Colts game from this past January in the playoffs. So a total of four games where Mahomes has not thrown a touchdown pass... The other games were, uh, last year in Jacksonville, or excuse me, uh, against Jacksonville at Arrowhead, and then his NFL debut against the Denver Broncos in Week 17 a couple of years ago. Those are the four games where Mahomes did not throw a touchdown pass. The Chiefs, for what it's worth, they're 4-0 in all of those games. Now, for comparison here, Zach, did you see any of the, uh, Patriots and Bills game on Sunday?
1: Unfortunately. I mean, that was the game that they were trying to make me watch instead of Chiefs game out here in New York, but, uh. Yeah, cut bits and pieces of it.
0: Well, Brady was absolutely atrocious. I mean, for all the Patriots, what they've done the first three weeks, running up the scoreboard on all these terrible teams, we saw Brady regress quite a bit in this game. 18 of 39 for 150 yards, also had an interception in the end zone when New England was in the red zone. Now, why am I bringing this up? Look, this is just for a compare and contrast here, because here's the bottom line. Great players. You talk about the top 10 players in NFL history, uh, and I don't know who your top 10 would be. Zach's top 10 might differ than from mine. That's fine. The point is, the best of the best have had a lot of bad games. Peyton Manning has had a lot of bad games, and some of them against Kansas City. Tom Brady has had some bad games, a couple of them against Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes Has had a couple of bad games. And again, we'll get into the details. 315 yards, that's not bad by all means. But there were still some missed opportunities. And we'll get into those later. But I just want everyone to stop complaining. You can criticize Mahomes for this game. I'm not saying not to. Because ugly wins do happen. And this was a pretty bad performance by the offense. It's not up to their standards by any stretch. But look, man. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I don't know what the narrative is like in Boston sports radio, uh... With their stations there, given how Brady looked in this game. I'm sure they're critical of Brady's bad game, but they're closing the thought with this is a six time Super Bowl champion, and this isn't his first bad game, nor will it be his last. Oh, by the way, New England is 3 0, or 4 0, excuse me. Same thing could be said about the Chiefs. Bad game for Mahomes, definitely a step back, but they won. He came through in the end when they needed it the most, and the Chiefs are 4 0.
1: Yeah, and realistically, that's all you can ask for. Like, To be honest, I would much rather have an ugly win than a pretty loss. Let's be real here. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I had as many concerns as everybody else when it came to the offense, especially just the fact that it looked like we were just a little bit off here and there with some of the routes that were being run or some of the throws being made. Um, You know, certainly not what we're accustomed to, but a win is a win is a win is a win. It's not that hard. Can I ask you this, Zach, because...
0: Are we expecting too much perfection? Because, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Mahomes, for example. I mean, if he doesn't open the game up with a touchdown, and obviously the Chiefs uh, have been scoreless in the past three first quarters. Um, I remember last year against the Bengals, the game that got flexed to Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs won that game, what, 45-10? to The only touchdown the Chiefs allowed in that game. I I still recall Twitter blowing up and being in... Anger saying, wow, what a terrible... Don't get me wrong, the defense was bad last year, but it's like, you won that game 45-10. to You only allowed one touchdown drive, and, you know, I I don't know, are we expecting three and outs defensively and touchdown drives every single offensive possession? I feel like, and I don't want to take shots at Chiefs fans, I'm really not, but I truly feel like we're expecting perfection. And I get it, Mahomes, not human. Yeah, I, I get that, but... I think we're pushing a little too much on this whole Mahomes perfection thing. We forget he's he's human, believe it or not.
1: Yeah. I mean like I every time that I get annoyed with something that Mahomes does or doesn't do, I remember like, wait a minute, the kid's my age. Like, that's you know, that's nuts to be performing at the level that he's, you know, been performing at and the fact that we've become so spoiled as a terribly general rule, um, I think that's really part of the uh Part of the issue there is that you know he does these things that you just absolutely can't teach um, you know he'll just absolutely drop it in there uh, where only his guy can get it it's just a thing of beauty um, and then we just kind of start to expect it and you know we get numb to the you know exceptionalness of some of those plays uh, and then we just start to expect them every time which isn't a fair expectation by any stretch of the imagination so you know I, I get it you know, I was frustrated by some of the misses, too, because it's not what we're used to. But compare it to so many quarterbacks that we've seen in this town, like, count your blessings, Chiefs fans. It's all going to be okay.
0: Yeah, and again, I, I'm not saying let's expect this with Mahomes, but look at Andrew Luck. I, I don't think anyone thought that he would retire by now. You don't know, Truly, you don't know how long he's going to play for. Enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully it lasts a long time. Um, but... You know, at the end of the day, yeah, he he's going to have... Uh, here's what I'm worried about. The day where Mahomes has, like, one touchdown and four interceptions in a game, you know, what what's the reaction going to be like? I'm a little worried about that, but hopefully that doesn't happen for a while, and I suppose we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, as far as this game goes, uh, Zach, we didn't get a chance to talk about this because the podcast already came out, but Lions quarterback Matt Stafford He came into this game with a hip injury. He was questionable. He was added to the injury report on Friday out of nowhere. He was limited in Friday's practice. Now, still ended up playing on Sunday against the Chiefs. Played very well, in fact. 21 of 34 for 291 yards, three touchdowns, but was also sacked four times. Plus, he had that fumble forced by Derek Nauti and scooped up by Chris Jones. We'll touch on that a little later. By the way, that was one of six total fumbles in this game. Uh, five of them were lost fumbles, and again, like I said, we'll address the fumbles a little uh, later on. DeAnthony Thomas was the only one who fumbled but did not lose, uh, lose it to the opposing team. But as far as the Lions' offense goes, Kerryon Johnson ran the ball 26 times for 125 yards. As a team, the Lions ran 35 times for 186 yards, which was very instrumental in helping the Lions get off to a 10 nothing start. Uh, if you remember last week, the Chiefs allowed more than 200 yards on the ground against the Baltimore Ravens. But as far as this game goes, and you look at the last couple of first quarters, Kansas City's been outscored 26 to nothing in the last three first quarters. And in this first quarter, Detroit ran a total of 17 plays for 142 yards. Two drives, one touchdown, one field goal, combined time of possession, 8 minutes and 12 seconds. They finished with 33 minutes and 54 seconds to Kansas City's 26-06. What's going on here, Zach? Why is it that this Chiefs team cannot get off to a good start, or starting off terribly in the first quarter? And again, the the score shows it, 26-0. For the life of me, I cannot figure this one out.
1: So offensively, I've actually got a little bit of a theory on this because I've been, you know, kind of wrestling with it the same way that you know I think most Chiefs fans have because it's been uncharacteristic. Because historically, you know, especially with Andy Reid being in town, you could always count on him to have that kind of first fifteen to twenty plays well scripted off to a great start as a terribly general rule. Now I think that, in you know, that's something that he kind of became known for, uh, and I think that people would start to uh, you know game plan against it. So I'm starting to wonder if. It's almost. I'm not gonna say a deliberate effort, but you know, you come out with a couple of different things scripted to where you can start to see what the defense, like how the defense is gonna attack you. Uh, and part of me wonders if that's not what we're doing, because then you know, I mean, with the exception of today's game, you know, we've seen the offense generally come to life there in the second quarter once we've established all right, this is what the defense is up to. Let's adjust and let's light them up. Uh, so part of me wonders if that's not part of it, but it is very. I mean were it not for the fact that the offense has you know, come to life in other quarters, it'd be very concerning. Um, and so I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really sure exactly why the slow starts, but you know it's something that I'd like to see the team clean up for sure.
0: Here's what I think could be a part of this, and maybe it could also have a hand in Mahomes' struggle today. And by all means, it's not an excuse, but these things do add up. And I'm talking about the road games. Look, Second year in a row, the Chiefs have started three of their first four games on the road. Uh, now, the Chiefs started 5-0 and last year, so obviously that didn't bother them. They're 4-0 right now, so obviously that's not bothering them. By the way, later on in the podcast, really interesting notes about the Chiefs' schedule coming up that you're going to want to hear, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it has anything to do with having a majority of your games on the road in the first quarter of this season. Do you think that could be a part of it?
1: I suppose so. I mean, I hadn't actually considered it, but when you think about it, the fact that you, you slide over to, uh, I mean, that's, let's see, that you had Jacksonville, East Coast, Detroit, East Coast. Um, you know, well, Detroit's was... a, a central
0: time zone, actually. Is it? I think you meant to say Oakland on the West Coast. I think that's what you meant to say.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I, I'll i be honest, I could have sworn Detroit was actually still in East Coast time, but eh, I don't know my time no. zone super well, so <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, but regardless, you know, that could be a part of it is you know the jump the time zone jump you know the fact that they're not able to get into really a rhythm as far as you know get up get started you know just kind of be ready to roll right at game time especially since i mean we've had you know noon starts for all of these games with the exception of the Oakland one uh right yeah that that's correct okay just i'm like you know flashing back in the back of my head it's like wait a minute do i have that straight <laughs> no no you're good but, uh, yeah, with the exception of the Oakland one, you know, it's been all noon starts. And me wonders if that's not, you know, a factor as well. You know, if we've grown too accustomed to being able to play later at night. And I think that, you know, we'll be it'll be interesting to see how we compare as we start, you know, Sunday night football, for example, coming up this week.
0: Uh, I don't know if you saw my post on social
1: media, but when the Lions got off to a
0: 10 nothing start, I kept asking, is it the second quarter yet? Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone was waiting for that.
1: Everyone was waiting for the second quarter. And that's because we've gone off historically in the second quarter. It was very strange to not see us do that this week.
0: Yeah, did not happen this time around uh, like in recent games, but put up 13 points. Um, Now, they should have gone on the scoreboard uh, in the first quarter, but Harrison Butker did miss that field goal. uh, Came away with a couple of field goals in the second quarter as well as a touchdown. uh, So tying the game at 13 at halftime. Now, this is where things got weird. I mentioned I'd go back to the fumbles. Here's what happened. McCole uh, Hardman fumbled on the kick return to open up the second half. By the way, he was not put back at kick return again after that. Uh, then, Matthew Stafford, he threw a touchdown pass to Kevin Galladay in the end zone. That was taken away because even though both feet were in this was actually weird. I did not even think of this. But he had both feet inbounds. He did not maintain possession of the football. He, it kind of just fumbled around a little bit with his body. Uh, even though it never hit the ground, he didn't hold on to it with at least one of his hands the entire time all the way through. And that's why the touchdown was taken away. Uh, is that is that is that an accurate re- representation of what happened there, Zach, you think?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, more often than not, and I'm completely guilty of this as well. When it comes to those you know, close calls in the end zone, like you're always watching the feet, because normally that's the reason that those touchdowns will get called back. But uh, in this case, you know, you go back and you watch that replay, and he absolutely didn't have control of that ball. He did manage to get his feet dragged, but he didn't yeah. have possession of the ball, so, well, you, know, you can't have that.
0: <laughs> that was pretty close, uh, but it was taken away. And on the next play, crazy enough, uh, Matthew Stafford fumbled the football. And at that point, I said, and the Chiefs picked it up, by the way. I mentioned Nadi with the force and Jones with the scooping. Chris Jones had a pretty good, good game. Uh, picked up a fumble and also had a sack. And I mentioned at that point, I said, look, the McCool Hardman fumble essentially did not mean anything other than it took off a few minutes uh, from the clock. Well, unfortunately, Daryl Williams fumbled it back to end a five-play drive. Then this is this is where things got really, really weird. The Lions reached the Kansas City two-yard line. And they did it in two plays. And a big part of that was because of Xavier Williams' face mask penalty. Um, but on Johnson barely, and I'm talking barely, fumbled the football. Uh, and Bashad Breland, of all people, who was near the sidelines because he was defending a wide receiver on the play, he ran all the way over from basically close to the sidelines, running all the way to where the ball is, picks it up, and then runs 100 yards, end zone to end zone. Everybody was confused. Even the CBS cameraman, the director, had a camera shot focusing in on the pile. And then all of a sudden, they uh, switch uh, camera shots to a big play. And the commentators are even confused at this point why Bashar Breland's running. He goes all the way. And there was never a whistle at any point during that play. And again, I'm sure it's at some point in Bashad Breland's life, someone told him, play through the whistle. And he, look. look. These players have heard it a lot in Little League football. I'm sure Bashar Breland had a pretty lengthy discussion about it with someone because he saw something from a distance, Zach. It's not like he was part of the pile. He was pretty far away from it. He ran over, got the football. He was actually down but was not in contact with a Detroit player. He got up and ran all the way uh, in one of the more confusing touchdown plays, but that was a big difference. That was a 14-point swing that made a huge difference in this football game.
1: Absolutely. And the thing that, you know, the announcers mentioned, but it certainly bears mentioning again here, this officiating crew is the same crew that was on for the uh, Rams and Saints game in week one, in which they actually whistled a play dead, in which Cameron Jordan, the Saints defensive end, had picked up a fumble and was running it all the way back to the end zone. They, you know, since they blew that dead before he got to the end zone, they were still, they still go in and review the play Rule it as a fumble, but effectively you know, took that away as a touchdown for the Saints. So, in kind of a weird way, Chiefs fans are kind of lucky here in that this was the same officiating crew who made a massive error on a play like this and therefore was smart enough to not make the same mistake twice. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that you know we were able to actually get that touchdown. Because, I mean, you you look at the replay, like they did call it right. I know Detroit fans obviously wouldn't love to hear that, but... They did call it right. Um, So, real heads up play by Breland, and that was certainly uh, one of the stranger touchdowns I've ever seen, but I'm here for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, that was, I thought it was going to be overturned because I thought his head-slash-shoulder was down, but the football's barely coming out as his head and shoulders did touch the ground. Um, That was really close to me, but yeah, they did get the right call. Uh, And again, like I said, massive 14-point swing at that point. Detroit's trying to punch it in. Instead, uh, Breland scoops it up and runs all the way to the other side for a touchdown. Uh, Kansas City went on to fumble again. Uh, that was when Sammy Watkins had a catch. He tried to crawl for a first down, but lost the football uh, trying to do so. So uh, That was um, that was pretty insane. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I remember when the Chiefs and Jets played each other in 2005 in the season opener. The Jets fumbled six times. Which was pretty bad. Um, obviously nothing has even compared to that. This is pretty close though, uh, it, except it took you know two teams' efforts together to try
1: to match those uh, six fumbles. right. though I gotta say on the Watkins fumble, especially like that was an absolute heads up play by the Detroit corner as well because if you look if you watch that replay as well, you'll see he kind of lets Watkins get up and you know get the yardage as opposed to just you know marking him down. And instead of marking him down, he get lets Watkins, you know, kind of regain possession of the football. And as he starts to make the move, he just quick punches it out. Very heads up play by the corner there. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I gotta hand it to Detroit secondary because they were doing that a lot. Whether it was punching it out at the you know immediate time of the catch to force an incomplete pass uh, or punching out fumbles, they were doing a nice job. You know, Peanut Tillman, as the announcer said, would be very very proud.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and that was that was a pretty aggressive job by the Detroit defense. They were pretty banged up. Darius Slade did not play in this football game. Uh, and I think his backup even suffered an injury at, this, at one point. But still, the Lions kind of held their own on this one. Despite allowing 34 points, still did not allow Mahomes to go off like he normally does. But uh, then we go to the fourth quarter, Zach. And this was probably the most exciting fourth quarter I can recall since the AFC Championship game. And before that, the uh, the Rams game where both teams scored 50 points. Uh, so here's how things went down. Daryl Williams got into the end zone early, uh, in a fourth down, uh, or excuse me, uh, Daryl Williams got into the end zone early in the fourth quarter on a drive that started late in the third quarter And by the way, at one point during that drive, Travis Kelsey... I I love this. I actually was expecting it earlier on a certain play where Kelsey could have done it. Instead, he saved it for this moment. Uh, Kelsey caught a pass where he pitched it back to McCoy because defenders were already swarmed in on him. Whereas McCoy had a lot of free space and... He went off for a few yards there. I don't know if you remember this sack, and I cannot remember which game. I have tried to look up the highlights. I'm having a hard time finding it. If anyone can remember which game it was, please let me know because I, I mean, I don't have all the time in the world, and going through all those 2008 highlights, I don't want to relive those moments for sure, but Tony Gonzalez, uh, he did not catch a pass. He actually was in the air, could have caught it, but tipped it backwards to LJ, and Basically, the same exact thing happened in, in that situation. There, um, do you remember that, that that play that I just mentioned with uh, Gonzalez and L.J.? I,
1: I'll be honest, I don't. But okay, yeah, still impressive regardless.
0: Yeah, I mean the Kelsey play that was that was pretty cool. And again, uh, I read on Twitter Kelsey's giving up those fantasy football stats right now. At this point, did you lose any points on that fantasy wise, or, or do you have Kelsey on your
1: team? Nope, the only chief that I've had uh you know up to well up until really this week was Mahomes, but I did pick up Daryl Williams, which was that was on my list of good decisions because uh that certainly yes. paid off today
0: for sure um by the way, how many points did you get with Mahomes? I'm curious given that he didn't have a touchdown?
1: I believe it was seventeen for Mahomes and eighteen for Williams if my memory serves okay. the reason I asked that is because I
0: was watching NFL Network Saturday night and they mentioned that I think uh Peyton Manning had the record for most fantasy points in the first four weeks, and I don't remember the number, but they said Mahomes had a really good chance of breaking that. Obviously, with no touchdowns, unable to do so, but uh, I I was kind of curious what that number was for you. But uh, anyway, uh, both teams punted uh, after the Darrell Williams touchdown. Kenny Galladay got his second touchdown catch, and this one was pretty close. Another really close call that was reviewed here, uh, but it looked like Galladay had his had the second foot dragged back just barely in bounds, and at this point two minutes and 22 seconds to go I wrote this on Facebook and Twitter you've got two timeouts in the two minute warning plenty of time this is Patrick Mahomes chance to prove why he is the MVP he did exactly that in this game or in this fourth quarter I should say in the final drive 13 plays, 79 yards, and that took 2 minutes and 6 seconds off the clock to the point where Detroit was forced to use their timeouts because they wanted to preserve some time so when they got the football back. And by the way, Zach, this reminded me a lot of the drive last year against the Baltimore Ravens where Mahomes faced two fourth down plays, converted on both of them, one on that crazy pass to Tyreek Hill and the second one ended up being the game-tying touchdown. In this game... On 4th and eight, Mahomes scrambled 15 yards, and after that play, the Chiefs never faced third down again, uh, ended up getting it into the end zone, and the Chiefs went on to win that football game, 34-30. to uh, Detroit had a couple of opportunities, but unable to do so. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, man. This was a stressful game, for sure. But under an Andy Reid team, this is the most important thing I want people to take away. And this was a high characteristic of the 2016 Chiefs team. This Chiefs team may not have the prettiest win t- today, but they found a way to win because under Andy Reid and I think it helps when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes that everybody loves, everyone battled till the final second. It was hard, wasn't easy. It was on the road in a loud environment when you know you, you know the fan base out there wanted to have a moment where they could say that they witnessed a Mahomes loss because their team won. So they were into it, and with all the craziness that happened in this football game, this game could have gone either way. The Chiefs, a lot of opportunities where the Lions could have pinned the final nail on the coffin. They didn't, and the Chiefs, when they had to the most, they came through. And Mahomes, again, not a pretty game, but on that final drive, he proved why he is the MVP. Even some of the struggles that he dealt with in this game, he and the rest of the team overcame adversity, and I'll say this: he has picked up a lot of players on this team today. His teammates picked him up,
1: absolutely, and no one more than Travis Kelsey. If you look at the way that you know, especially on that last drive, the uh, you know I forget which uh, you know there was one of the throws where you know Kelsey had been you know kind of knocked around at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Mahomes rolls to the opposite side of the field, and then Kelsey just kind of is able to leak out. Uh, and get the first down and, and in a heads up play, you know, jukes out one of the you know, oncoming tacklers and manages to get to the sideline to uh, get out of bounds and stop the clock. You know, really between that, between the uh, you know, real soft hands on some of those catches, and then of course the uh, you know little hook and ladder uh, to, to uh, Lashawn McCoy. Like man, Kelsey absolutely earned his check today. That was today. cool. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily racking up huge stats, but. It was doing the little things that, yeah you know, the team needed. And, yeah, you know, big, big ups to Kelsey for the way he played today.
0: Did you catch Kelsey on the sidelines? I can't remember exactly when. I think it was before the game-winning touchdown. Um, I think it might have been early in the fourth quarter when Daryl Williams got into the end zone. But Kelsey was seen on the sidelines by the CBS camera guys. He was going off, and I, maybe not going off, but... I mean, he was trying to fire up his, his teammates.
1: Did you notice that right yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, another one of those leadership things that, you know, you could tell he wasn't ready to lose this game and uh, was getting making sure A, everybody was juiced and ready to go, which is something that, I mean, let's be real. that's he, He's pretty good at that sort of thing. He is definitely yeah. the hype man, so to speak. Um, so it was good to see that as well.
0: He was targeted eight times, and Kelsey caught seven passes, for 85 yards, so you know he's a reliable guy when the ball is going in his direction. Uh, Watkins had three catches for 54 yards. Robinson, Demarcus Robinson, that is four for 35 yards. Dion Yelder, uh, he he shined in the first quarter of this game. Uh, he was very active early, two catches for 43 yards. I I was hoping to see more of him, but uh, he kind of disappeared after those first two catches. The defense allowed almost 200 yards rushing, as I mentioned earlier. But they had six tackles for a loss and four sacks. The biggest sack was from Tyron Matthew on a third down play to force the Lions to punt the football. Tyron Matthew is starting to come
1: together on his own with the Chiefs right now. Absolutely. And that sack, I mean, not necessarily sure if that was if it was drawn up or if it was just an opportunity he saw. But, uh, man, it was a beautiful play on his part. The only thing that would have made it even better is if he had managed to punch the football out, but still. You know, it absolutely stopped a drive, uh, you know, for the Lions. And you know, like it or not, the Lions were looking pretty good on the offensive side of the ball. Stafford played a oh, yeah. of the game, and so you know, to see that get quickly shut down there was certainly a, you know a big sigh of relief there.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's really starting to prove why the Chiefs tried to go after him last year and were able to sign him this year. By the way, uh, Chiefs and Lions total team stats here very similar numbers. 438 total yards for the Chiefs, 447 for the Lions. Both teams with 29 first downs. Kansas City ran 67 plays. That is just six fewer than the Detroit Lions. By the way, Kansas City, 4 of 9 on third down, 1 of 1 on fourth down. Detroit was 5 of 13 on third down. And I think it helps that the Chiefs were able to force some long uh, third down situations there. Uh, This one I want to take a moment to discuss. Uh, So we talked about the rookie tight end. For the Lions, TJ Hawkinson, who, by the way, did a really good job against the Chiefs, but he suffered a really brutal injury where he leaped over the KC defender, and the defender essentially ran—I can't remember who it was. Do you remember who this was? There were who a couple. Who he tried to dive over?
1: Like, I okay, think one of them was Damian Wilson, and then maybe Bashad Breeland, but don't quote me on that.
0: All right, well, whoever it was basically ran into his legs, hit him just above the waist area, which didn't seem to do any damage, but as soon as Hawkinson hit the ground— boy, he hit it really hard. And look, I'm just going to say it now. I don't know when, maybe this offseason, maybe in another offseason. I promise you it's going to happen one day. The NFL is going to ban and penalize leaps against defenders who are on their feet. So, I mean, if, if a defender's on the ground, like if he got blocked and he's on the ground, and, you know, if the ball carry needs to go, he'll jump over him. But I can see the NFL banning leaps and penalizing players that will uh try to leap over a defender uh once that rule is intact there it's gonna happen one day I just
1: I just can see it I mean yeah didn't they ban the leap for like you know the priest home style like diving over the uh you know diving over the offensive line to score a touchdown at the goal line like they did ban some of that didn't they or did it just stop of its own volition
0: I want to say it stopped. I mean, I know Cam Newton did some of that, but we we just haven't seen a player like Priest-Holmes that's been capable of doing that. I think that's been more of more of the issue with that. I don't think they've ever banned that. I could be wrong, okay. but...
1: I wasn't sure. I mean, sure. I, obviously, I know it's become much less prevalent than it was certainly in the days of Priest-Holmes. But, uh, you know, I totally agree. Like, there's been... you know, It feels like it's been the sort of thing that's happening more and more recently because, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody wants to be able to be that highlight reel, right? Um, and be able to, you know, have that, yeah. uh, you know, you know, make that sports center top 10 for jumping over somebody. But at this point, the defenders are getting wise to it. I mean, you, you saw it with uh, Vernon Davis last week where, you know, he did this nice little jump and the defender's just sitting there like, okay, bro, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, you know, he... he you know, essentially, backed up, let Davis land, and then knocked him over. Uh, and you know, it's the same sort of thing that you saw with Hawkinson this week, except you know, Hawkinson got hit in the air. Uh, but I think that you know, realistically, I think that the uh, offensive players just kind of got to get it through their heads where it's like, okay, look, you know, uh, unless you're unless the defender's already diving, you probably should think that one through because realistically, it's not going to net you that much. And when it comes down to it. You're more likely to get hurt doing it. I mean, Hawkinson is obviously proof of that. You know, not sure whether it was a shoulder injury or a concussion or what, but that's what happens when you try to jump over someone and then you hit the turf super hard. I mean, it is always worse on turf than it is on grass. But yeah, yeah. I think he earned himself a concussion for that one, if nothing else.
0: Let's let's go back to Mahomes uh, because I know uh, he has the most headlines from this, and the the his his performance has generated a lot of discussion. Yes, 300-plus yard game. Great. But there were a lot of misplays. Zach, you alluded to this earlier. Now, Mahomes isn't solely responsible for this. Uh, there were some passes where there was absolutely no receiver in the area on multiple occasions. Uh, this It's not like it happened just once. We saw it more than that. I don't know if that was... Patrick Mahomes not knowing the play. I don't know if it was the route runner not knowing exactly where to go, not being where he should have been. Um, Maybe a mix of both on different plays. There were also multiple occasions where he overthrew and underthrew some of his receivers. And if he connects on some of these passes, you probably win time of possession. You throw for way more than 300 15 yards and you probably put up more than 34 points on the scoreboard and the outcome of the game isn't as close as it was in this game here. Uh, so look, it's an off game. It happens to the best. I'm not fretting over it. I'll fret over it if it happens in consecutive weeks. But let's just remember one thing here. You still score 34 points and you just won your third road game in four weeks. And by the way, you're 4-0. and Uh, So I'm not going to fret over this too much, but for sure, he deserves criticism for this game. And the Chiefs definitely need to work on the on-field rapport because they definitely took a bit of a step back this week
1: offensively. Absolutely. And there is part of me that wonders, you know, how much of it was just a rhythm thing realistically, like especially early in the game, you know, call it first, second quarter, um, where, you know, it seemed like every pass was close, but just a little bit off. Uh, yeah. And I think part of that is because, you know, you saw the, uh, the Lions defenders playing a whole lot of, you know, physical press coverage, like really doing their best to knock receivers off their route at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, or, well, if not at the line of scrimmage, certainly within the first five yards. And part of me wonders if that's not part of the reason for, like, those very slight overthrows where Mahomes led them just a little bit too far. I think that there was a little bit of that going on. But then, you know, that still doesn't excuse the, you know, Times when, you know, it was very clear where, you know, someone's running a uh, go-route and Mahomes throws a comeback. It's like, you know, you can't have that. I don't know which of them is in the wrong, and realistically, I don't care. Because it can't happen. we got to do better than that. Though that said, you know, it's easy to nitpick. We, uh, you know, still won 34-30 to and still ended up with 300 yards through the air. So, you know, nitpicking on something that was still positive, so... Uh,
0: Well, I want to touch on this for a moment because, Zach, I know you were excited about this. I wasn't as excited, and I said it last week, I'll say it again. I could not really comprehend some of the obsession a lot of fans, and not just Chiefs fans. I was listening to some talk radio and NFL Network. They were big on this whole thing with Mahomes playing in a dome in the first time in his career in a regular season game. Um, Listen... It doesn't matter to me what venue it's in, whether it's indoor, outdoor, good weather, rain, cold. We've seen Mahomes enough now that no matter the conditions or the venue, Mahomes will still make Mahomes-like passes. Someone mentioned on Facebook, if there is proof where Mahomes has been able to do well in the cold, the Chiefs had two really cold games in January, uh, and Mahomes played very well. Uh, very well it's not doing justice. I mean, he played great in those games. He just did.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, watch the every- second half of that you know, unfortunate AFC Championship loss, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was in... He fun- went off! Or, well, you know, that was in Kansas City, you know, still in the cold of, you know, mid-January. Like, he's, he's just fine, come rain or shine, though. Yeah, I was well, admittedly excited for the Dome.
0: Yeah, well, no, I mean, you weren't the only one. Um, to me, it's just, everyone was expecting this to be his best game. I did as well. But more so for the reasons that this Lions secondary, for one, isn't very good with their below average safeties, and two, they were pretty banged up with their secondary. This ended up being his worst game statistically speaking. Uh, Look, I just hope with Mahomes, and I know there's a big stat out there with Peyton Manning and what his uh, record is in uh, cold games because he spent so much of his career in Indianapolis playing in indoor stadiums, and that's why he was able to win more playoff games. Whereas in Denver, he had some struggles in outdoor stadiums. And so I I think that's all a coincidence, man. People forget, a lot of these guys played in college and in high school where they played in outdoor environments. Uh, I remember the Raiders once came to Kansas City and lost in a very cold uh, weather game. I don't think that's why, and I get they're a California team, but I don't think that's why... A California team or a Florida team loses because of the weather. A lot of these guys have played in cold weather, whether it was in college or other teams. I think we obsess over, you know, weather conditions and who it benefits a little too much. Because um, if, you, if we look last week with the rain, a lot of people thought that the Ravens were going to dominate. Which they did, but the Chiefs still won that football game. And again, in this case, we thought Mahomes would have the best game of his career, or at least this season obviously not the case. It was a worst game. I just hope we, this is kind of a message to all of us, a learning lesson, to not obsess so much over the dome and weather factors and whatnot, because to me, that's what this proved.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, though. I, I will say certainly for when it's, you know, obscenely cold or rainy, like, it does certainly affect things a little bit, namely, like, that know, I it's agree. raining, yeah. like, you know, makes the ball a little slipperier, though that said, you know, we just watched a game, you know, we're recapping a game in which there were six fumbles in one quarter in a dome, so... In a I dome. Guess, you, know, <laughs> you know, it <laughs> just goes to show that it can happen no matter what, but then I think the cold is less of a factor when it comes to, you know, being able to hang on to the ball or stuff like that, it's just more the injuries, because, you know, I'll be honest, like, you take a helmet to the forearm or the hands in the cold, and man, it hurts a different kind of That way. is painful. Like, I could personally attest, having played football, you know... In Kansas City, for you know, when I was growing up, like we had some cold games there. And as an offensive lineman, man, like there was nothing worse than accidentally taking a face mask or something to the hands in the cold that just stings like nothing else.
0: Now, let's go back to Mahomes and all these stats and everything for a moment. 6,000 passing yards is still realistic. That was one of the uh, headlines during the week leading up to this game. Mahomes averaged 398 passing yards in the first three games coming into week four. Now, in this game, he obviously had the fewest amount of passing yards in a game with 315. Still a lot, um, especially for the game he had, uh, but it was definitely a big dip. Now, his average after this game has dropped to 377 yards. It was 398, dropped to 377. Zach, he is still on pace for 6,000 yards, and to be exact, 6,032 yards. Now, he'll probably have a 100-yard game or a 200-yard game here and there, but man, uh, not only did he just go off with that 5,000-yard season last year, but he's going to have 6,000 passing yards this year at this pace, or at least very close to 6,000 yards. That's a realistic accomplishment
1: for Mahomes this year yeah, uh, you know, one thing that I'm going to just kind of jump on here, you know, you mentioned that, you know, maybe he'll have a 100 or 200 yard game. yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put good money down that Mahomes is way more likely to have, you know, a 400 450 yard passing game than he is to, you know, have a sub 200 uh, passing yard game because if that happens realistically, the Chiefs are in a world of hurt in that game if he only throws for, you know, call it 150 or 200 yards. Like the way this offense is built, you know, he's he's pretty much a lock to have at least 250 yards passing every given week so that's just my two cents on that
0: yeah and it's doable and look you know you have a bad game here and there i i think it happens i mentioned brady he had what 151 yards i know i wrote that somewhere but we've yeah it was 150 something on. yeah so look it'll it'll happen uh but more i i think it's very doable i i do think he can get uh the six thousand yards if not he'll be really really close to it Let's switch gears to the cornerbacks, um, because I did want to talk about this. Were we harsh on the cornerbacks last week? Because you and I were, and we had a lot of listeners that disagreed with us on this. Um, I paid a little bit more attention to the cornerbacks in this game, and look, my comment still stands. This football team, it is worth giving up two first-round draft picks for Jalen Ramsey. I'm still standing by it. I know he didn't play today for the Jaguars against the Broncos, in which... They pulled out quite a quite an interesting win there, um, but nonetheless, uh, Morris Claiborne. It's worth mentioning his suspension is now over, so he will be coming back. What kind of an impact will he have? Somebody asked me this on Twitter, and I'm not fully sure if we can expect an immediate impact, given that he's been gone for four weeks. But maybe in that Week Six game against the Houston Texans, that's probably where we can expect him to really make a significant impact because he's going to get his feet wet in this uh in what's going to be his debut for the season uh what is your takeaway with the cornerback situation right now
1: so I think that you know when you look at our two you know outside corners that you know are our primary starters you got Bashad Breeland on one side and Traverius Ward on the other and I would say that we were too harsh on Breland. he sure, certainly has proven to uh yeah you know, absolutely have what it takes but you know, so far this is now two weeks in a row where Ward has uh, been picked on at the very end of the game. I mean, you look at the one that you know happened with the, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Willie Sneed, uh, who had the big catch you know with from Lamar Jackson last week against the Ravens. That yeah. you know, realistically, most cornerbacks are able to knock that puppy down. And then you look at the you know last drive that the Lions had today, uh, and who are they picking on? Good old Charvarius Ward. So. You know don't get me wrong he's he's good at not getting smoked in terms of you know getting just absolutely beat down the field, but he's really pretty poor when it comes to you know if it's a toss up there is a real good chance that the other guy's coming down with that ball, and the thing that Ward i mean I will give him credit for he's good at making sure to get that tackle wrapped up, but it'd be better if you were able to knock the ball out of the air and keep the guy from getting it to begin with so. I think that you know he's got some room to grow um I'm still not sure I like the two first round picks thing like that's you know th- that's always been my hang-up when it comes to you know Jalen Ramsey there and you know, do I hear where you're coming from absolutely I think that you know I'd like to see Morris Claiborne you know I mean realistically I think Morris Claiborne is able to punch out a couple of those that we saw Ward fail at so would like to give him the shot first but if he proves to be, uh, you know, incapable as well. I mean, I'll, I might come around on this. We'll see.
0: Let me let me say this. And I don't know if this will change your mind or not. But keep in mind, in 2016, the Chiefs traded out of the first round. They got Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill. And, and look, I know Tyreek Hill, he dropped for he, he dropped in that draft for several, uh, one big significant reason. Uh, but you got two pro bowlers outside of the first round there. And the same year you drafted Patrick Mahomes... You drafted Kareem Hunt, who, you know, was a Pro Bowler his rookie year. Probably would have been a Pro Bowler if he didn't get kicked off the team. Uh, Travis Kelsey's a third-round pick. I mean, you've been able to find some really great players outside of the first round. And to me, it's like, look, I'd be okay giving up a first-round pick. Does that change your mind in any way?
1: I mean, to a point, yes. Um, Though the one, you know, just to play devil's advocate again on that, You know, most of those picks that you just mentioned, those were Dorsey picks. Uh, Veach, to this point, you know, I mean, now it's, again, small sample size, so take it with a grain of salt. If you look at the picks he's made, I mean, I would argue that really the only one that I've seen, you know, be a major impact at the third round or later is Juan Thornhill. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I get that it's a small sample size, but I don't know. I guess, you know, it's... It's still a point of concern for me, but I guess you know, we've also never seen what Veach can do in the first round either, so I guess jury's out on that.
0: Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. And look, I, I don't know, you know, who gets credit here, but when John Dorsey left or w- was fired, I should say, there were all these headlines Oh, Brett Veach is better because he was actually responsible for these players that got drafted. And I thought, okay, are we saying this just to be optimistic and sugarcoat the hiring? Because I'm not quite sure. I know with the Patrick Mahomes uh, draft pick, depending who you talk to, some will credit John Dorsey, some will credit uh, Brett Veach. And John Dorsey was fired before Patrick Mahomes' rookie season got started. And I know he didn't play much that year. But, um, you know, that, 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 I, I do want to point that out. Because you mentioned John Dorsey, and I'm glad you did. It's a fair point. Um but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. I, 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 as far as the cornerbacks go, yeah, I, I agree with you, Breland. We could use some consistency with him. But Ward, I, I know you drafted, or excuse me, you traded Parker Eniger for uh, Charvarius Ward last year, and I was wanting to give him a chance because of that. But it's kind of to the point for me now. It's like I, I think we need Morris Claiborne back more than ever because uh, it has been a really tough project for Charvarius Ward. Uh, by the way, I was very critical of the Chiefs about Gunther Cunningham and, and the whole not honoring him last week. I still think you need to do something at Arrowhead, but there was, I guess the, I guess the Chiefs had some sort of a hand in this where they honored Cunningham because he was uh, a head coach and a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs and he was also a defensive assistant for the Lions. These are the two teams he has spent the most time with. Um, And, look, it's great. I know uh, I saw Clark Hunt took a photo with the Cunningham family on the field. Um, And that's nice and all. I just, I still think KC should still have its own moment to honor Gunther at Arrowhead. Because if you watched uh, Hard Knocks at one point, I mean, he's even saying, this is effing Arrowhead, let's defend the honor. Like, this is a special place to him. Even though he got fired, he still came back. I still think there should just be a simple moment of silence for him. But I guess they're just going to go with Detroit's uh, joint plan to, to honor him, I guess, at this point.
1: And to be fair, if it was part of, you know, if part of the reason there was that, you know, the family was going to be able to all congregate in Detroit and, you know, I mean, we don't know all what went on behind the scenes, so I don't want to, you conjecture there, but the fact that, you know, they did have the joint sort of thing going on today, part of me wonders if that doesn't explain it a little bit, if the family was going to have an easier time making it out to Detroit, for example. That easily could be part of the explanation there, but I'm with you. A moment of silence at Arrowhead would certainly be, certainly would be fitting.
0: Uh, Let's move on and talk about Tyreek Hill for a moment. Adam Schefter reported on Sunday morning that Tyreek Hill could return in two weeks. Other reports came out that he will be reevaluated this week. Uh, And then during the game. Court documents were made public regarding Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinal. Uh and I said this on the Facebook Live video, I decided to change my mind, I said that we were going to discuss the court documents, I actually want to save that for uh, Thursday's episode when we have uh, Ellen Mathis from Arrowhead Addict, she's also a lawyer, so I think it'd be best fit if we discussed that with her just a little bit, we, I don't want to dive too much into that, but... Some of the details I read online is that Tyreek Hill has not been able to see his son a whole lot. So, not exactly sure um, the details on that. And I think it'd be best if we discussed that with uh, a legal expert. And because of that, Ellen Mathis will be joining us for Thursday's podcast. But a couple of Chiefs fans, Zach, said that, you know, the Chiefs or Mahomes don't need Tyreek Hill. So, why don't we trade him for Jalen Ramsey? Why don't we trade him for something and first of all he just signed a massive deal in the offseason so that's not a realistic move second of all this is the most dangerous wide receiver in the NFL not the best the most dangerous and I think there's there's a bit of a difference there with that said um everyone you know you and I have said this but never did we entertain the idea that the Chiefs never needed Tyree Kill you and I never said that once I want to be clear on that for anyone listening um but something important to note that even though the Chiefs did not miss Tyreek Hill the first couple of games doesn't mean the Chiefs don't need him now you look at this game against the Lions the Chiefs definitely missed Tyreek Hill and you know I I still don't want them to rush things with Tyreek Hill especially when he's such a a, a bit he's a guy who has such a big hand in this offense he makes a big impact uh, with this offense let him take his time and come back I'd be fine if he needed one more extra game. Uh, because the Chiefs' schedule does look a little friendly, and I'll get into that shortly. But this is um, this is still a guy that can make a big difference on the field, and you definitely missed him in this game against the Lions.
1: Absolutely, because plain and simple, you know, Tyree Hill preoccupies most every safety. You know, you'll see, you know, especially if someone's playing a cover one style where they've got the big, you know, the single safety over the top. Realistically, Tyreek Hill is. One of the most preoccupying receivers for those safeties that are playing in deep coverage, because the one job you have there as a safety is don't get beat deep. What is Tyreek Hill best at? Beating people deep, uh, and you know you combine that with Mahomes's you know rocket that's attached to his shoulder, and then all of a sudden you know those two are incredibly dangerous together. So I would say to those Chiefs fans who are saying, "Yeah, we don't need Tyreek Hill. We could trade him for Jalen Ramsey, what have you," like wait until they're not you saying see that now. Well, absolutely. And just wait until you're able to see, you know, you've got Hardman on one side, Hill on the other, you know, just absolutely blowing things open over the top. You know, that's either going to yield one big throw over the top to one of those two, or more likely, it's going to open up a lot of underneath stuff for people like Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson. This is going to be fun when we have both Hill and Hardman on the field together who have that game-breaking speed over the top, so... Yeah. I would say you know give us you know three four weeks out to you know call it like the second or third week that Hill is back in the lineup, and uh, just watch what the offense does. I think that you know there's going to be some Chiefs fans re- ready to eat those words, but we'll see. I may be eating mine, so you know, we'll just see what happens on that. But I'm certainly not thinking that the Chiefs don't need Hill. That's a silly you know thing to say at this.
0: No. Time. Not not in the... I mean, just not one bit. Uh, By the way, uh, that's a perfect transition to what is coming up for Kansas City. We obviously have the Chiefs and Colts game next Sunday. That'll be a Sunday night game. That's the first primetime game for Kansas City this year. Now, let's let's look back for a moment. Let's reflect quickly. Uh, I mentioned this a couple of times. I'll say it again. Three of your first four games were on the road, and you still managed to win every single one of those games. By the way... All of those four teams, they did not lose, they had not lost again. I don't want to say they were unbeaten because technically when you're 0-0, you're not unbeaten. But the Chiefs handed all four of their opponents their first losses of the season. The Jaguars 0-0, Raiders were 1-0, Ravens 2-0, and the Lions were 2-0-1, and the Chiefs handed all of these teams their first losses of the season. With that said, the month of September is over. You're now getting ready for October. The Chiefs have a fun slate of games coming up. Four of the next seven games are on primetime. Two Sunday night football games, Colts and Packers, both at home. Thursday night football in Denver, Monday night football in Mexico against the Chargers. Three of your next four games are home. Uh, The two Sunday night football games, or excuse me, uh, three of your next four games are primetime games. Two Sunday night football, and then the Thursday night game. Then, what I meant to say, four of your next five games are at Arrowhead Stadium That is a really fun stretch. Uh, First four weeks, pretty tough one for the Chiefs. Still managed to get through it. And now they have a damn friendly schedule for October and November. And you look at December, uh, I mean, the Broncos, they're terrible. The Chargers, they just got Melvin Gordon back in one. Uh, The Raiders, we'll see how things pan out. They've got a lot of road games because their next quote-unquote home game is in London. The reason I mentioned the, the division is because... Uh in December all of your home games, 3 of uh, of your last 5 are at home, all against divisional opponents. You of course have those two tough games on the road, the uh Sunday Night Football week 16 Chicago and then you have New England for that highly anticipated game in early December, December the 8th if I have that uh off memory correctly. Uh but point still stands here. I mean the, the next 2 months you've got a really nice schedule, a lot of primetime games, a lot of home games. And a lot of winnable games. Uh, I'm really excited to see what this Chiefs team does. Not to mention they're 4-0. A couple of unbeaten teams have been dethroned. The Lions, the Bills, the Rams also suffered a loss. So we're starting to see fewer and fewer unbeaten teams at this point. And the Chiefs are going to continue to grab a lot of attention, given that they're one of the few unbeatens right now. And this this next uh, slate of games, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, I mean, I had this game against the Colts certainly circled, you know, in the off season uh, as one that was going to be a tough challenge, and I still, you know, contend that it will be a difficult game for us, but, uh, you know, obviously less so given that, you know, luck is not a factor anymore. Um, so, I think, you know, the Chiefs should rightfully be favored in this one. Uh, but then you've got, you know, games against the Texans, the Broncos. Now, I mean, I've said it before, I think that Broncos game could be a trap game because it's... You know, following a Sunday game against the Texans, you've got Thursday night football in Denver. So, you know, the combination of, you know, the altitude aspect, the travel aspect on a short week, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Chiefs come out a little bit flat on that one and we'll see what happens there. I mean, don't be me wrong, the Broncos have certainly found a way to lose games. Um, you know, especially those last second field goals in two out of their four losses, so yeah, you know, On one hand, you almost kind of feel bad for them, but on the other hand, they're the Broncos, so you really don't. Um, well,
0: yeah, I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't feel bad for them.
1: No, and realistically, you know, the only reason that I have you know, any level of pity there is just because I've got so many family members who are big Broncos fans. It's like, well, you kind of feel bad for them a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's not my fault they picked a bad team, so it happens.
0: <laughs> Let's move on and uh, wrap things up with our text messages. We had eight text messages last week after the Ravens game. We have nine uh, on this episode, so let's do a let's do a speed round of these here. And by the way, guys, please, 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 some of you guys have some long written text here. Try to keep them short. Try to pick one or two key topics that you really want to hit on if you want to m- make a strong point or emphasize something. I know some of you guys want to recap the entire game. Look, that's what we're here for. Zach and I are here for that. Uh, if you guys want to send us a text, and I, I'm I'm, I'll, I'm more than happy to read anyone who takes the time to text us because we. Definitely appreciate that, but try to uh, shorten the length on some of these. Uh, for example, this one. Uh, out of the 6.02, Brandon in Mesa, Arizona. Hey guys, what a crazy game today. There are going to be quite a few people saying this was a lucky victory, and they are probably right. Uh, and by the way, my response to that is, you know, better to be lucky than not. Uh, but continuing on with this text, there is nothing wrong with being lucky from time to time, though. Too many times Kansas City losses, uh, loses a game like this, Look no further than the Rams game last season, to uh, look too much into individual performance uh, is kind of futile, when in all fairness, we should have lost. 15 was held in check, but the whole damn team found a way to win. I really think this is an outlier and these games are going to happen if your 16-0 prediction is going to come true. Yeah, I'm sure it will, hopefully. Uh, don't analyze too hard, uh, and just be happy we are undefeated. Chop it up, boys. Good night. That is from Brandon in Mesa, Arizona.
1: There was a lot to unpack there, but I think, you know, realistically, you know, the core does come down to it. You know, he's he's right. you got to have those sorts of games. You're not going to have, you have know, 16 cakewalks like that's not how the nfl no. works i mean any given sunday is absolutely a thing um and you know the lions came to play today guys so uh yeah I'm and you. they're unbeaten glad to have the uh, or were yeah, or they were yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and you know, if we're gonna tough it out i'm here for it uh out of the 313
0: uh aaron in front royal virginia wow Not what I expected from Detroit. Props to them for the game. 19-0 still stands. I feel like this was a huge learning experience for the whole team. They looked poised and kept cool. Mahomes looked like Brady. Hope that can continue. I'm not sure if he's Hmm. saying Mahomes looked like Brady today. Because even though Mahomes had a bad game by his standards, uh, definitely not as bad as Brady today, I think he meant that even though this team struggled, Brady has always found ways to help his team pull through, and Mahomes did the same thing in this game. I think that's what he's saying there.
1: I believe so. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, today obviously being a very un-Brady-esque performance, uh, you know, Mahomes certainly was able to maintain the poise there on that final drive and get us to the promised land where we needed to be.
0: Out of the eight one six, this game was intense. I'm worn out, and now I have to go to work. At least I can listen to your podcast to get through it. Offense looked out of line today and did not seem to bounce back like they normally do. Uh, Sammy Watkins looked like he was playing defeated, like in the end zone. He did not even jump up for the ball, and it was almost intercepted. I want to see Thompson mixed in some. I think sweeps will be his bread and butter, and I think his speed would have been a good change of pace, especially later in the game when the defense for the Lions were sucking wind. Uh, we're 4-0, and I am a happy camper. A lot to work on, but I'm glad we're finding ways to win. Great job on the podcast, fellas. Keep up the great work. I appreciate that. Texter from the 816. Uh, we didn't talk about Sammy Watkins much. Um, he's been really, really quiet since week one. I mean, look, he was second in receiving yards coming into this week. We'll see once all of week four is over where he'll be. But he has gotten pretty quiet the past couple of weeks, Zach.
1: I think that, you know... To to the texter's point on this too, I think that you know having some of those punched out by I forget the cornerback's name, but uh yeah I think that you know he was getting a little shell shocked by some of those you know, where he you know, thought he had brought it in and you know it was still you know, he was just having some tough sledding today, uh, not to mention the fumble of course as well. Um you know everybody has off games and I think that you know, Watkins especially without Hill being in place, um you know people have been keying on him a little bit more. Uh, I I you know, don't get me wrong, not happy with his performance today, but I think that, you know, we certainly can't write him off yet either. He'll do fine.
0: And I think it'll change more when Tyree Hill returns. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, uh, Sammy Watkins. So, I mean, the the stress will be taken off uh, some of these guys' shoulders when Tyree Hill comes back. So that is an important note to make there. Uh, another text from the 816. This is the, t- the type of win that makes you most proud of the team. Uh, offensive, uh, offense timing. Some of you guys really got to proofread your text. And like I said, I don't, I, I honestly don't read the text. And I think that's a proof. That's proof of that right now. I don't read them before the podcast, but I probably should. Uh, defense getting dominated and you still pull off the win. This is the type of game you will see in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're obviously going to be facing the best of the best in the playoffs. And you're going to have some struggles here and there. Uh, and, and I mentioned this going into the fourth quarter, that Mahomes has had bigger deficits than this, and he has come back to win, such as the 10-point deficit against Denver last year on Monday night came back to win. And I think that's why I was cautiously being optimistic in this fourth quarter that the Chiefs would still pull it out. Um, but, yeah, you're going to have tougher games down the road for sure.
1: Absolutely. And, like, you know, the one thing that I don't necessarily agree with the texture on this one is, like, you know, I don't think the defense got dominated I mean, don't get me wrong. The run run defense left quite a bit to be desired, but I thought the defense made some plays today, and you know, certainly did a nice job of showing up, especially on third down and in the red zone. Both, uh, you know, they it's almost kind of that bend but don't break mentality. So I think the defense did a little more, but you know, don't get me wrong. I agree. This is the type of game you'll see in the playoffs, and uh, yeah, we got to win them, and we did today.
0: Uh, got a few more texts to go. Out of the six two zero. Farzine, this is Bart in southwest Kansas. There is no need to be undefeated to win the Super Bowl. No undefeated team has ever won the Super Bowl. Um, the, n- what year was it? The 1972 Miami Dolphins? I think they would beg to differ on this one, Zach. Um, yeah, no, they'd
1: the- be real upset if they heard that text.
0: Yeah, they definitely would. Um, the Patriots came very close, too. Uh, and he says, challenges and losses build strength. We have to hold the faith in Andy Reid. And, and look, I think Andy Reid, the past couple of games, uh, you know, the play calling. And again, I don't know how much of it was execution with those misplays, overthrown, throwing in an area where there was absolutely nobody. I don't know how much of that is on Andy Reid, how much on Mahomes, how much on the route runners. Maybe they all deserve a little bit of responsibility. Um, but they're certainly, again, I mean, you... You, you never win a game and go into the week thinking, yeah, everything's perfect. We're 4-0. No, there are always things you've got to work on. And in this game, uh, compared to the last three, you definitely have a lot that you learned about and that you're going to have to work on before Indianapolis. Because, you know, I guess with the Chiefs, every game is now considered a trap game, which I hate that term, but oh well, uh, I suppose it's used more often now with the Chiefs. Um, you just got to be careful to not, uh, to basically prevent some of these upsets, especially with the Colts coming in next week.
1: Absolutely. And realistically, you know, it's it's like, you know, as you and I have appreciated over the years, you know, Kansas basketball always gets the opposing team's best shot, especially in conference yeah, play. Exactly. Chiefs are, you know, that's what happens when you're the top dog now. Like, you know, I know this is kind of new for us as Chiefs fans, you know, always being, you know, Kind of that, you know, still in the top, you know, tier, but never quite the top dog, so to speak. And uh, you know, until further notice, and by that I mean, as long as Mahomes here, as long as Mahomes is here, you're going to have that sort of thing going on where you're going to get everybody's best shot every week. So, uh, you know, we got to be able to step up and get it done. Six two
0: six, Daniel in Florida. I was nervous, but had no doubt that we would at least tie the game and go into overtime. Uh, but seeing some fans count us out was upsetting. We don't need fans like that. Hashtag nineteen and oh still alive again. We're we're doing hashtags on text. Great, cool. Um, look, it was a pretty tough game. I don't blame fans for being pessimistic. It was. He, what I will say though, from here on out, I if it's a one possession game, I hope Chiefs fans at least give gives this team a, t- a chance because. Mahomes has shown on multiple occasions that he can come back. The Denver game last year, the Baltimore game last year, uh, even though they didn't win this game, boy, the Chiefs had every reason to be blown out in the AFC Championship game. But no, they fought back and they forced overtime in that game. So even when it looks like it's over, Mahomes has something to say about it. Uh, Now again, they don't always complete the comeback. They couldn't do it last year against the Rams. Um obviously the Patriots they could not fully complete the comeback uh in, in both Patriots games, so it happens. Uh but more times than not, you're still gonna see this Chiefs team fight until the final second.
1: Absolutely. Um and the one thing that you know I took a little issue with on this is like, you know what, I get it. You know, I like being an optimistic fan as well. But, you know, I'm not in the business of telling people what they're supposed to think or you know, otherwise. Like, you know, we need all those different fans, whether they're, you know, Some of the ones that are never satisfied, you know, I always laugh because one of my good friends who I would go to see games with and, you know, occasionally would go into you know some of the draft parties as well, you know, he's always pissed about something. Uh, And, you know, (laughs) if you're listening, Garrett, you know you do. Uh, And, you know, I genuinely appreciate that about him because, like it or not, he holds things to a slightly higher standard, and I respect that. But, you know, am I going to count this team out, you know, really until that final second with Mahomes? You sure shouldn't.
0: Out of the three oh four, is it just me or does Frank Clark look like a waste of money? Slash picks through the first four games of the season. Okay, I someone sent in a similar text last week asking if he's out of shape. I paid a little bit more close uh, attention to Frank Clark, and I get for football fans, it's a hard sport to follow because everyone wants to watch the ball. There's a great book out there. I cannot remember the name of the book. Uh, I'll try to look for it in a moment, but. Um, it, it basically teaches you, you know, how to watch the game of football. Don't just keep an eye on the football the entire time. But to answer the question, Frank Clark was double teamed quite a lot. And I said this on our Facebook Live video. Take some of the best pass rushers ever, like Derek Thomas. You double team or triple team him, he's going to struggle too. And Frank Clark has, I mean, opposing offensive coordinators have strategized to double team Frank Clark. Now, when you do that, it does open up a hole for guys like Emmanuel Ogba, who's been very active this year. Chris Jones, who has recently been picking it up this year for the Chiefs, uh, you know, pick your poison. Kind of like the Chiefs' offense, especially once Tyree Kill comes back, you can't necessarily double team everyone. Pick and choose who you want to double team, and be aware that someone else is going to be wide open.
1: Absolutely, and honestly, like you know, it goes to the uh, yeah. There's a, we've got another text that we'll get to here in a minute um but you know he's absolutely done a nice job of drawing those double teams and you know honestly doing a nice job of making his presence still felt even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet uh, and so i do not agree that frank clark looks like a waste of money or picks cuz he doesn't uh i understand the frustration cuz he's not in the stat sheet totally get that but you know there's more than that surface level going on here
0: uh, let's see. You got a couple of texts left here. Out of the 2-5-1, uh, the game felt a lot like the Seattle game last year. He's referring to Week 16 Sunday Night Football. We didn't win that game because we couldn't take the punches. That was a great game by two really good teams, and I am extremely happy with how the Chiefs reacted. It's the NFL. Uh, weeks like that will happen, and this year... I now believe we will win those games. We haven't necessarily talked about this, Zach. Uh, uh, Yeah, sure, they overcame adversity, but was this a game to you where you were able to sit there and say, look, if we can win this game, we can win more more games like this down the road against tough teams? Was was this one of the more defining wins to you with the Chiefs?
1: I mean, it's certainly encouraging. I wouldn't necessarily go to defining yet because we're only four weeks in. I mean of the four wins this is obviously the one that had the most you know, kind of adversity to overcome but I think the thing that impressed me the most and gives me a little more faith for our ability to win these sorts of games moving forward is twofold one the defense was always able to do enough to make plays to keep us in the game when there were certainly some moments where uh you know the lions were knocking on the door there where it, we could have gone down by a couple of different you know by a couple scores a few different times Uh, And the defense held their own and was able to keep that from happening. And then obviously, you have Mahomes and his ability to quick, you know, drive that comeback drive. Between that and the defense, you know, keeping it tight, I'm pretty optimistic that we'll be able to win more of these moving forward. Do I think it's a defining game? No. Is it an encouraging game? Absolutely.
0: By the way, uh, I was mentioning a couple of the books. Uh, There's one book I cannot look through it on my bookshelf here. It's right next to my laptop, so. I'm having a hard time looking for it, but there are a couple of really good books for those that are wanting to, if you want to know how to watch the game of football a little bit better, there is one called The Art of Smart Football by Chris Brown, and then uh, Pat Kerwan, uh, or Pat Kerwin excuse me, he has a book called Take Your Eye Off the Ball, and this one also comes with a DVD, so if you want the cool package like that, it uh, goes in depth with how you should watch the game of football a little bit. Uh, better than the average fan. Uh, Alright, let's wrap things up here. Uh, Sean in Wichita out of the three one six, He gets the last text for this episode. It was nice to see a full team win. Mahome boy. Uh, I like that. Mahome boy. Uh, Mahome didn't have to be godlike to get the win. Need to clean up the turnovers. Ball protection is key. Clark isn't getting on the stat sheet. But he is a force working against a double team. Which is what we just talked about. And I for one can appreciate that. Sean out of Wichita. Um... You know, he mentions that Mahomes didn't have to be, you know, amazing, which we haven't even talked about this. Mahomes, uh, well, we we alluded to it briefly, but Mahomes didn't have this big game, and the Chiefs still put up 34 points, and they're still 4-0. And I think that is the scary part if you're not a Chiefs fan.
1: I mean, yeah, he still threw for 300-plus yards, I mean, I remember when that used to be the benchmark of, you know, a really, really good game. With Mahomes, we've been spoiled rotten because, you know, we're used to hundred and fifty yards um, or more. Uh, and, yeah, it was nice to see the rest of the team, you know, kind of be able to pick him up. Uh, but I absolutely agree with, you know, obviously the piece about Frank Clark. We just hit on that. I don't need to touch it again. Uh, but the ball protection is absolutely important here, and that's the one thing I really want to see cleaned up. Now, to be fair, Detroit was very clearly punching the ball out. They did a nice job focusing on that, and nothing but credit to them. Gotta tip my cap there. Uh, But I think that that's something that realistically, if I'm one of the other, you know, 30, I guess, yeah, the other 30 teams in the league, uh, I look at the Detroit Kansas City game and I'm like, hmm, you punch the ball out from the Chiefs, it's way harder for them to score. Maybe that's a way to beat them. yeah let's be real imitation is absolutely a thing in the league and I think that you know the Chiefs are gonna have to uh you know clean that up and you know secure the ball hang on to it a little bit tighter because we can't have some of those fumbles I mean we've done a nice job avoiding interceptions to this point you know four games no interceptions for Mahomes but uh yeah can't have the fumbles either
0: yeah and you know that the Colts are gonna try to focus on that Frank Reich of course the head coach of the Colts coming into this game and they're doing a little bit better than maybe we uh, expected that they do without Andrew Luck and we will talk about that much more on Thursday's episode of the Chiefs on Podcast hey appreciate all of you guys who texted in 913-808-2119 if you guys want to send a text for the next episode Zach we're going to do this again on Thursday's episode we'll uh, do a preview and talk about uh, what the Chiefs need to improve on following the first four games
1: sounds good man I'm looking forward to it
0: again big thanks to all of you guys Downloading and listening to this episode, share the links, greatly appreciate it, spread the word about the podcast, and a big thanks to everyone. Whether you texted in, whether you joined for the Facebook live videos, commented on the Facebook post, tweeted me, tweeted Zach. Greatly appreciate everyone who has done so, lots of interaction. For this episode. I know maybe not for the right reasons, but uh, nonetheless, I love it. Nonetheless, I appreciate you guys. You guys are the reasons why we're able to do this podcast. So, again, 913 808 2119, shoot us a text for Thursday's episode. Ellen Mathis will be joining us to discuss uh, the recent legal news with Tyreek Hill in the courtroom and what to expect from the Chiefs moving forward. And Zach and I, of course, we will recap the first four games and talk about what the Chiefs need to improve on and preview the game between the Chiefs and the Colts. Facebook.com slash Farzing Vesugian at Farzin21 on Twitter and at ZStegenga on Twitter. Big thanks once again to all of you for downloading and listening to the podcast. I am Farzin Vesugian. He is Zach Stegenga. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. Enjoy your week.